On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Hey, yo. It's survey time. So is there anybody, is there anybody who came to see? Matt Robinson? Okay. How many people came to see that lame? Michaela Schreiner. Survey says one more for the good guy. Hey yo, and welcome to Talkin Audio for a Thursday. My name's Matt Robinson in our TCA studios, uh, satellite studios, somewhere outside of Bytown, Canada. Joined today by Michaela Schreider. Will you please take a stab at the correct greeting for this episode of the podcast? Hey yo, it's not bad. It's not, not bad. bad. It's less. You know who I am, but you don't know why. I'm here. Oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> I knew you'd love that. <laughs> uh, shout out to Scott Hall. May he rest in peace. One of my uh, my childhood favorites, Mr. Razor Ramon. The NWO thing. The uh, One of the gr- best intercontinental champions of all time. And Michaela coming in hot with the, uh, with the sweet Nitro debut reference there. Uh, you've probably been... <laughs> I have- inadvertently and against my will uh-huh. watched that clip more times than i am proud of because i married a wrestling fan who yes. is in mourning this week by of the course, way but yes yeah. scott hall rest in the most peace yes. um very very sad news that 63 is way too young of course and uh I, i'm i'm so giddy that you dropped that i i am blown away <laughs> that you had that that was perfect um how are you doing it's uh i guess it's been maybe a little less than a month right around a month since you were on to talk about the uh the Olympics, what have you been up to? Oh my goodness, is that a month ago? It feels like a year ago and yet <laughs> a week ago at the same time. What is time anymore? I, I'm doing good, you yeah. know, keeping busy and, you know, getting through as <laughs> getting through this Groundhog Day that we're living. You know what? The things are looking up. The, the weather's getting nicer. Things mm-hmm. are opening back up. We're... I'm vaccinated. Everyone around me is vaccinated. Starting to look forward to like summer plans of like actually going places, which is super fun. Um, I'm, I think, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my best friend's getting married later this year and I'm the maid of honor. So there's a ton of like wedding related events that I'm 
planning things around. Right. Um, so that's been kind of keeping up, occupying a lot of my time because I haven't had trips to plan in two years. Right. So now that I do, I'm kind of going a little overboard with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hard correct in the wrong way. <laughs> I think there's a bit of that going on. We're all just like ready to to get back to as much as, as, as we can possibly justify to ourselves at this point, right? And, and a wedding makes it easy. It makes it fun. Um, yeah, I, I've got a couple invitations actually for weddings this summer Aww. that have showed, I know, and I'm not hardly a maid of honor or anything, but uh, they have arrived and you're like, oh, right. Like you used to see people and do fun stuff. This is, yeah. I remember that. It's kind of all comes, you know, it all comes coming back to you pretty fast, I think. So, I think you would make a wonderful maid of honor for the record, Matt. <laughs> maid of dishonor is, is really the <laughs> title I'm probably better suited for. What are we sipping on today, Shrides? Well, Matthew, what day is it? It is a holy day for many people. You mean it, it's another wrestling reference, right? It's 316 uh, day as we sit here and record this. I was, I was going for when this is going to air. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But uh, Peel back the curtain. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're, As we we're sit recording now, this evening. It is Austin 316 Day. But you're right. This it will air on, uh, on St. Patty's Day. I won't make you pretend to care any more about wrestling references for the rest <laughs> of the podcast, I promise. What are we having for St. Patty's Day? Well, I mean, what else can you have on St. Patty's Day but a Guinness? So I am going with, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful beers ever. Yes. I'm going with a Guinness. And I, I, I'm... Fortunately, I already poured it, so I don't have the awesome can opening sound. Uh, but that's, uh, I figured I'd go festive today. I know it's not craft beer, but it is amazing beer and mm-hmm. it is very appropriate for today. So I'm going with the Guinness. How about you? It absolutely is appropriate. And I um, honestly, maybe it would have been a little boring, but I, had I had the foresight that you had about when this was actually going to drop, maybe I would have, uh, I would have done the same thing because it is always appropriate. But I have something here that. That maybe sounds like a story that gets told on St. Patrick's Day, because th- this beer is called "That's When Ted Fought the Mailman," and it, <laughs> it sort of feels like you're walking in to a story that's halfway told, but you have arrived in time for the good part. Uh, this is from the Refined Fool Brewing Company down in Sarnia. Uh, a lot of their titles and uh, names of their beers have fascinating. Uh, Fascinating names like that. I think the last one I had was called Van Full of Weirdos um, from those guys. But uh, yeah, this is an 8% Imperial IPA, uh, double hopped, East Coast. They say it's got a little bit of peach, got a little bit of mango. It's going to be quite citrusy. So we'll see what that's all about. But this is, yeah, like I said, an 8% uh, East Coast IPA. That's when Ted fought the mailman from the Refined Fool Brewing Company. I can imagine Ted would fight the mailman after one of those. Yeah, exactly. 8%. That is, that is intense. Fire but that's up also, your St. Patty's Day. Matt, this is very much a Michaela beer. Like, I'm I'm surprised that you're drinking. You're not usually an IPA guy. So I'm very surprised by this. I've just, you know, I'm s- sort of having to, to ease back into it, right? We're, we're heading out of stout season and porter season. That's now, true. Now I have stockpiled, as I always do, uh, to carry me through the next few months. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been heavy on that for the last little bit. And you're right. I'm not a huge IPA guy, but I don't mind them now and then. And like to try different stuff here and there so and there's just something about the name of this one right that uh yeah i gotta see what that's all about why is ted fighting the mailman i gotta gotta check this got I, I i imagine it's because he had an eight percent beer exactly that's just maybe a couple of them so and uh yeah maybe a rough saint patty's day 
Um, <laughs> if you'll allow me for just a second, we got a ton to get to with you today, but I uh, want to tee the good listener up for some things to come here in the next couple of weeks. On March 24th, stand-up comedian John Wing is going to be on the podcast. Uh, he's also got a pod of his own. He's got a couple books coming out this summer. And he's a big Leaf guy. We trade messages every now and then on the uh, on the hockey Twitter. So he's going to be on on the 24th. On the 31st of March, Michael Barclay is a writer for uh, all things Canadian music. He's got a couple books out already. One is called Have Not Been the Same, the Can Rock Renaissance of 1985 to 1995. He also wrote The Neverending Present, which was a book on Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. And uh, he's got a new one coming out in April, which is why he's coming on the podcast. And that one is called uh, Hearts on Fire, Six Years That Changed Canadian Music, 2000 to 2005. So uh, that'll be right in our wheelhouse, Michaela. I think we'll know most of these uh, these acts and these bands. But he'll be there on the, or here on the 31st. And then April 7th, our mutual friends, Graham Creech, Steve Bunda, will be back on the podcast as we reassemble... The UFC panel ahead of UFC 273. Uh, that's a huge card. Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. Uh, big rematch between Aljamain Sterling and Pyotr Jan, as well as the fight I'm most looking forward to, Gilbert Burns versus the absolutely on fire Hamzat Shemaev. So uh, a couple of big weeks coming up. And uh, Michaela, I know you're looking forward to that UFC 273 card, but any beers you can recommend I should have maybe ready for, for Creech and Bunda. Ooh. Oh, this is fun. Um, I'm trying to think I had, so we did a sampler Sunday recently and there was a, there was one from left field, uh, that I found in the LCBO that I really, really liked. Um, I can't remember for the life of me, I'm going to vamp for a minute while I go through the photos (laughs) on my phone. Um, it was, it was an IPA. So, so we'll see if, uh, so it was prospect single hop IPA, Okay. uh, 6.8%, but it was very, very tasty and you know, left field baseball themed, you know, baseball's coming on the horizon on the horizon. So I highly recommend that one. Uh, I, you know what? I have to recommend one that I did not think I would like, but I tried it this past Sunday. And local here in Ottawa, Broadhead Beer, uh, Broadhead Brewery. I had their American Wheat Ale. Okay. Which I am not a wheat beer fan. I think I have said that many times on this podcast. (laughs) But this was actually super tasty. And maybe (laughs) if you like wheat beers, maybe it's not a good wheat beer because I liked it and it didn't (laughs) taste like a wheat beer. But it was super smooth and, and super tasty and I really, really liked it. So... Yeah, I'd say those those are my two recommendations. You can find them in the LCBO, so it makes it a little easier. Yeah, all right. And and why don't we start in this general area? Because our uh, our my buddy Matty Lang, who's been on this show a bunch of times, he owes me some beer, and I have told him it's left field. It's got to come from left field since he's down there in yes. Toronto. I want him to hook me up with that. And this is because just before the Super Bowl, Matty was on the podcast, and I sort of said I don't believe. Tom Brady's done. Tom Brady doesn't retire on Instagram. That's not how this happens. And he said, "Ah, you know, he just he wants his time with his family and he doesn't need all the pomp and circumstance and you know, they'll they'll do that stuff later on on field back at Gillette Stadium or whatever." And I just said like, "I don't know, I'm not buying it." And he was very emphatic. No, Tom's done. And Michaela, Tom is not done. 
apparently. He was retired for, what was it, 40 days, I believe. Uh, speaking of pro wrestling, you know, normally you get beat one week, and then you go and you have ankle surgery and tell everyone you're retired, and then you're back as soon as it's healed. Um, Tom Brady is back. He's going to play. Are you surprised that, uh, that, that Tom isn't actually finished and, uh, and that Maddie owes me beers over this? I'm not, and I don't really know why, because I, I didn't really have this gut feeling when he initially announced it, but there was something very vague in his announcement that kind of left me feeling like I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if this isn't it. I thought it and, would last longer than 40 days. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Apparently time with the family isn't as much fun. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is thought. fatherhood. I'm getting back <laughs> in the gym. Maybe Giselle was just like, no, enough of you being here. Please leave. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I think that now this is just purely my speculation, but you have to think that with with all with what Tom Brady is and what his brand is, and he is very much a look at me kind of guy, right? He's mm-hmm. got he's got his TB12 brand. He's very meticulous and strategic in everything he does in his public persona, and for his retirement to have been kind of scooped from him, <laughs> yes, that's by true. Adam Schefter. Yep. I feel like I, I always had the feeling like this is not how Brady wanted to go out. And this, this is not how it should, it it did suck. I hated that that happened because, you know, love him or hate him. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. And for him to have uh, his retirement announcement scooped from him just really sucked. And you knew that's not how he wanted to go out. You knew that was not the <laughs> circumstance that he I'm had about planned. as spiteful of a person as you can find. I'm not playing an entire extra NFL season out of spite <laughs> to make sure I get to make the announcement myself. But Tom Brady's yeah, not spiteful. I, guess so. <laughs> I mean, that's screw commitment. it. I'm winning another MVP just out of spite. <laughs> Honestly, and and you know what? Maybe it's because he didn't get the MVP. Maybe right? Yeah. Like he Rogers stole it from him, and and maybe Tom was thinking, okay, you know what? I I gotta win something on my way out. Yeah. So it's either going to be a Super Bowl or an MVP. Um, <laughs> wish he'd come back to the Patriots for that. But yeah. that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, like I I wasn't. I wasn't surprised, but I don't really know why. Just it, the the whole circumstance around his his uh, retirement didn't feel right, and you he was being so vague that you knew something was up. So yeah, it's a very Tom Brady move for sure. Uh, why don't we talk about what went on last weekend down in Pittsburgh uh, with the? I know this thing had a couple of different. Uh, I think they were calling it the official title. Was it the the revenge rematch? Is that the what rivalry rematch. Rivalry rematch, thank you, because they had had the whole rivalry series leading up to the Olympics. Uh, Team Canada and Team USA facing off one more time in a women's hockey game at uh, at PG Paints Arena. Um, I guess, what are we... Like, we just referenced it a few minutes ago. Less than a month since the Olympic gold medal game, I would I would say, right? That, so this thing all came, to, came together really fast. Um... What did you, what did you, you know, there's a few ways we can take this, but why don't we just start with what did you think of the game itself and, and the crowd that it drew and, you know, just what you saw? I mean, the, the game was exactly what you expect from these two teams, right? Canada, USA, there's never going to be a blowout between these two teams. It was a close game that went to overtime. And then because she's an alien, Marie-Philippe Poulin scores the, the game winner in overtime. To get a little predictable there, Pouli, this is... Come on. Like. Yeah, come on. Find something. <laughs> find a new way to impress yeah. us, please. 
Uh, and of course, like, like, like it wasn't just predictable that MPP scored the game winner, but like, of course it was Hillary Knight to score, uh, one of the goals for team USA. Every time she touches the puck, it is terrifying. <laughs> um, I love that Blair Turnbull opened the scoring. Cause every time I see her, I just think of her being carried out onto the ice in a stretcher to get her gold medal at the world championships. The weirdest thing I've ever seen. Oh, just the greatest. I well, and for it. people um, who, who maybe weren't watching last August when they had the women's worlds, she breaks her leg in the celebration. The game is over. You've won the medal. And then there's the pylon and whatever. And she hurts her leg. And they've got like this chair out on the ice at first. And they're trying to get it. So everything's delayed. And they take her off on the stretcher. And then they bring her back out on the stretcher. And I, I don't think she was mic'd up. I think the microphones just caught it that while she was sitting there getting her medal, she's like laughing with her teammates through tears of pain obviously going i'm such a loser <laughs> like just yeah. like it was hilarious but so sad at the same time and i wondered then if it might cost her the olympics right like yeah no she, thankfully she she healed up and she got back in time for for the olympics and i think she even played a game or two in the rivalry series hmm. which was good yeah. um but she scored in this one as well and uh yeah like the game itself is just it's exactly what you expect from these two teams and the crowd i thought it was a great turnout i mm -hmm. thought pittsburgh the pittsburgh penguins did a really good job of promoting it beforehand like it was it was in conjunction with the pwhpa so there was a lot um you know they have good partnerships with the nhlpa yeah. and other uh, nhl teams in the league so well, that um, photo of poulin with crosby before the game you're like iconic photo right like incredible way to promote this like that was unbelievable yeah exactly that it's a great way to put it, it was a great way to promote this game yeah. um and and uh a lot of the players and the people i know at the pwhpa they just had nothing but good things to say about the uh the penguins and the way that they they hosted them and, and helped promote same with washington apparently washington put on a really great show mm -hmm. they had a showcase a pwhpa showcase uh the weekend before uh, in Washington with the non-Olympic players. Right. And uh, the Washington Capitals were really good at hosting them. So um, I thought it was great. It, it was it was great to get to see these two teams play each other again so close to the Olympics. And, and you know, really what it was about was capitalizing on the uh, interest level that tends to circulate women's hockey around the Olympics. And unfortunately, you know, they don't have these these players, these Olympic players don't have a league to play in back home we don't get to see them right afterwards and and then even when that interest level is so high unfortunately we're not really able to capitalize on it so it was nice that they they took the time to to do this and i thought it was a great way to keep that momentum going um and then we got to see them at the outdoor game in hamilton yeah. um at tim horton's field that was pretty cool too so uh, i think i think all in all it's just it's nice to see this team getting as much love as they are because lord knows they you know there's a lot there's a long way to go in terms of ensuring we keep this momentum going let me just uh i want to say something horribly unfair and then i want you to put me back in my place hey. as you're right. We do this all the time after the Olympics. It comes back and we're like, that was amazing. Like, I'd love to support more. And then there's nothing, right? Like, until Women's Worlds in April or May. And sometimes that's in, like, Switzerland or something, right? Like, maybe you don't get to, to really engage the way that you'd want to. And I thought, uh, like you, I thought the crowd was great by all accounts. Uh, it, it did pretty well on television as well. I thought the Penguins did a nice job. The horribly unfair thing that I'm going to say would apply to almost any sport. It was really hard to find the same intensity that you found at an Olympic gold medal game. 
right? Like, well, yeah, that was going to be hard to follow. It's the same two teams, although I guess there were some bodies missing. Um, But even the thing where, like, let's make sure all our goalies get in, and so like it felt kind of all star game esque as opposed to I will kill you for this game today, right? Which we normally get during the Olympics, and I understand that that's totally reasonable. Um, but I think that's sort of where we're stuck right now in the sense that, you know, you can't recreate that intensity or that tension or that energy unless you have a pro league where you go back and now you have this team that you're associated with, right? Like even when the, uh, any sport you watch, like let's stay in hockey, when the men's Olympic tournament ends, you come back and it's your team versus Nashville on a Wednesday night you're like, oh, I, just, I don't care right like this is not the same as what I just watched last week until the playoff race heats up and you get going and that's the problem that women's hockey is stuck in right now is that this there is not really this follow-up that you can start to build from unless there is and we started to see on hockey night this week uh, Jeff Merrick reported that maybe the PWHPA is inching closer to having its own league get up and underneath it and, and get some legs and, and stood up and uh, it would be, it, you know, maybe it has found some sponsors and, and some people that are going to, to support this thing and make it happen, but that it will still be separate from the PHF, which is the other women's hockey league going on right now. Uh, Angela James wrote a fairly passionate note on what she thinks about, you know, this thing not being united and, and how this all should move forward. Everyone has their own thoughts on that. But do you believe that were, you know, maybe you'd been hearing rumblings before the Jeff Merrick report that the rest of us more casual fans caught, you know, like, are we getting close? And would it help solve that problem of after the Olympics where everyone's so fired up on this game, having nowhere to go? Oh, actually, look, there is a league right here. You can go and see these same top players that were just at the Olympics do their thing for their club team. Yeah, I I don't know that I've heard much more than what's been reported. I've heard some rumblings on Twitter. I don't know how legit they are, but we had uh, Liz Knox and Corella Marr from the Noxie and Cac show on our show last week, and I asked them what's, basically what's the show same question: again? the Noxie and Cac show. Not your show. I was trying to get you to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> trying to Promote get you to chill. Yeah. God damn it. She's got game on the TSN radio network. There we go. Um. Uh, and I asked them the same question and they're in the PWHPA. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, they, they're heavily involved obviously. And, you know, they kind of gave me an answer that like, we're getting closer. And, and it definitely feels like, like, I don't think Jeff Merrick puts that out on hockey night in Canada. If there's not, he hasn't been given something directly from the source. Right. So clearly we're getting closer. What that looks like. And like, is it, the PWHPA and the PHF finally find common ground uh, and and that becomes the league that these players go and play with. I think, you know, a lot of people would assume that's probably the easiest solution, probably the best solution. Um, it's worth noting that the PHF, formerly the NWHL, you know, a lot of these, especially American players, used to play in the NWHL when it first started yeah. and then actively chose not to because they did not like the way it was run. Right. And they've been very open about that. So you have to think that a lot has to change. And there have been a lot of recent changes. Like the the commissioner who was in power 
when, or I shouldn't say in power, but you know, leading it, sure. um, when it was the NWHL, Danny Ryland is no longer there. Tyler Tamina was the commissioner for the last couple of years, and she's stepping down at the end of this season. So, you know, there's and then there's been all these news about you know the twenty five million dollar investment, the salary cap increase, all and expansion, all these good things. And so that's led me to believe like maybe something behind the scenes is happening and maybe these two sides finally, you know, see eye to eye and find common ground, or maybe the PWHPA is going to start their own league. And, and I've, I think the the way the narrative has really shifted in the last couple of years with women's hockey is like, it, it was always NWHL versus CWHL mm-hmm. and then NWHL versus PWHPA and now PHF versus PWHPA, like it's the same two sides basically. Um, and maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't like a lot of sports have had two leagues, Yep. right? The NHL and, and the WHA, the MLB was two leagues yep. for a very, and, and kind of still functions as two leagues. It was the American um, football league that got rolled into the NFL, right? And became yeah. the AFC. Like sometimes that is how it goes. Sometimes it's how it starts. And, and obviously the ideal solution is one league with yeah. the best players playing in one spot. But you know, is is the path there as as clean and linear as as we like to believe? No, and and that's what we're seeing here. This is just, I think, natural growing pains, um, and I think we will get there. I think we will. F- I I believe we're very close to a league where we'll bet we'll get to see Marie Philip Poulin play on a regular basis and Hillary Knight play on a regular basis, and um, you know, I think the people who are working on it with the PWHPA. And I, and I say that because they're the ones who I just speak to the most. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm sure the PHF is also working on that. I sure. don't know, but I just don't hear from them as much. Um, but they're, you know, they've got some of the best hockey minds in the world working on this. So you have to think we're getting pretty close. And, and again, I don't think that would be put out into the ether if there wasn't something there. So you'll correct me here if I'm wrong, but I want to tee up with a question and then, you know, just right now, the PHF is a set, league it has teams in different cities the way you it's would an think association of, right okay so fair enough um but it has teams in set cities right the way you would think of a traditional sports league right now the pwhpa is similar to um almost like a this is going to sound disrespectful it's not meant to like a traveling road show it doesn't have set up teams these guys always play for Toronto. These guys always play for Calgary, you know, whatever it might be. They are an organization of the top women's players in the world who are traveling around and and playing each other in mini tournaments and and mini games um, to keep the the growth going and to get exposure out there, these sorts of things. Uh, But they aren't yet set up is my understanding of how this works. But can you tell me roughly how many members there are of the PWHPA because it seems like if they are close to a league and they are going to set up in a more traditional sense you need probably at least four or five or six teams to get up and going so times 20 athletes Uh, obviously there aren't that many top end Olympic caliber athletes that are largely members of this thing do you know roughly how many members they have and whether it's feasible to start a league right now without merging or working with the PHF. I think, and I apologize, I think you said PHF at the beginning and I thought you said PWHPA. So you're right, PHF is a league. Yes, um, okay. <laughs> the, the number that was 
thrown around when they first formed was 200. Okay. And I'm just looking on their website at the entire list of, of players, and they're, it, I think that's feasible that 200 is probably okay. an accurate So number. you could do it. You could run a pretty good league with that number of players. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and like you look at the tournaments they hold, which you're right. Like like sometimes it they have Olympic players, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still, you know, they put on a showcase here in Ottawa with I believe four full teams without the Olympic players, um, and that also didn't include like some other players. And and they've done the same thing in the past with with like not all their players. So so I think they have enough for like a solid six teams. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I would also wonder, and this is just a question I have, it's, it's purely speculation, but like, let's say the PWHPA sets up a league and it's separate from the PHF. Mm -hmm. How many players from the PHF do you see? Yeah. Jump over to, I'll say the other side. I hate this dichotomy of sides, but like, you know, I, I I think that they, it would very quickly go up. Um, and, and no one would blame them for maybe wanting at least some sort of steady paycheck no, uh, as low as it might be um um because it's just not equitable unfortunately but like you know or or who would want a, a place to play because they don't have there's all there's often a narrative that like the pwhpa is you know it's it's easy to be a part of them if you're an olympic athlete but if you're not it's a little more difficult i I haven't heard that narrative from the players who actually play there. Right. Um, I think they're very well taken care of and very happy, but you know, maybe, uh, you know, for whatever reason, certain players may choose to play in the PHF now and maybe they would, they would go over to the other league. We don't know. So um, yeah, I think it, I think it would be pretty easy for them to stand up like six teams right off the bat. Hmm. It's been one of those things where it's really easy and you know, what should happen and it doesn't, but what we should be seeing in any sport as in a country like Canada and a country like the United States, ideally worldwide, but one thing at a time is that any sport that you're investing a dollar in for boys to play, you should spend a dollar on for girls to play. And that should move its way all the way up from peewee and whatever through high school and all the way up to university. Once you want to turn pro, it has to support itself. It has to be sustainable and it has to make money to pay its athletes or they're not pro. Um, is that what we've been waiting on? Like, do you think that the reason the PWHPA appears or sounds like is reportedly getting close to standing up is they have found enough sponsorship, um, enough dollars to come in to actually now set this up? And maybe it's as simple as in some cities. You know, maybe the I've seen Kyle Dubas say numerous times he would like to see a professional women's hockey. I, don't get in my face. I know there is a PHF team in Toronto, the six, and it has new ownership. But right, MLSE is not involved in that. Kyle Dubas wants them to be involved in that as well as the WNBA. Maybe on top of the sponsorships that they're working with, maybe in some cases it's as simple as NHL franchises saying, no, we want to partner with with whatever. Is it just a case that the money has arrived that has gotten us this close right now? I'm sure that's a huge part of it. Um, I don't, I honestly don't have an answer for like, is, is that all they were waiting on? I'm sure like, obviously money is a huge part of it. Um, You know, I, I think the other thing is 
they would need. They, I know the big question around the the CWHL was business model, right. and they just didn't have a sustainable business model. They were a, a not in profit, I believe, yeah. and the so PHF the has always functioned on uh, individual ownership of teams. So you know, have right. they worked out that business model? Have they found owners? Have they found you know houses and and places to play and and all that stuff for? for their teams when they do set up in certain cities. So I think there's a lot to be worked out, but yeah, obviously like getting the, the sponsorship amount, getting broadcast deals mm-hmm. um, would all be a huge part of it. And and Kyle Dubas, from your lips to God's ears, please bring a WNBA team as well to <laughs> Toronto. I'd really appreciate that. In time for Paige Beckers to be drafted, preferably. Thank you very much. I think Kyle has also said that He's probably not the guy who gets to make the decisions on the basketball side of MLSE, but, no, but he's... Drake keeps putting it out there. Drake keeps saying Drake something could about, pay for, oh, Drake me. could run a team himself. He could afford that's, it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I feel like Drake is putting that out there for a reason. Yeah. I feel like something's going on behind the scenes. Unfortunately, like this, this Masai is a pretty forward thinking guy well. too. Like he's, he, I think there's enough people inside MLSE that this should happen pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is the same for women's hockey, and, and it's an unfortunate reality. Like, Jaina Hefford has said, and I think Cassie Campbell said this too, if not for the pandemic, we'd probably have a professional league right now. And I th- I think the yeah. same is true for a Toronto team in the WNBA. Hmm. I, I feel like MLSE has been working on that for a while, just based on what I know about their organization and what they've said publicly. Right. And I think the pandemic put uh, held a lot of us back on, on, on that front for right. a while. Uh, why don't we talk quickly about what has gone on across Major League Baseball over the last week or so? Because it has been an absolute hurricane of of signings and trades and, and news breaking. Like somehow, I think it was last Thursday, they signed off to end the lockout. And just yeah, as we are recording this on Tuesday, it was like the Yankees and Mets just found out by the way, your unvaccinated players can't play here. Have you been paying attention to Kyrie Irving and the NBA? And I think everyone just assumed the stadiums are outdoors, so it's okay. And New York City was like, no, we did not say that to anybody to work here in a New York City workplace. Uh, you got to be vaccinated. So that has created this whole thing. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees are also upset that uh, their unvaccinated players will not be allowed to come into Canada and play. Frankly, I'm annoyed with New York City because I think all those guys losing all their home games would probably force them to get vaccinated. If it was just 10 games in Canada, they're like, whatever, we just won't come to Canada. And like, I thought that would be awesome <laughs> if, if you just didn't come and play the Blue Jays out of spite. But they have made a couple of interesting moves, uh, bringing in Yusei Kikuchi. And then most recently on, uh, on Wednesday morning, Matt Chapman, the third baseman, he had been rumored for a while. Um, great glove, maybe the best defensive third baseman in the game right now, gets traded. Uh, he strikes out an absolute ton, but uh, he's also capable of hitting well in um, the stadium in Oakland, which is a very pitcher-friendly stadium. He's hit 30 home runs a couple times. He may hit 35 or 40 at the Dome and running around in the AL East. What have you made of this first sort of week outside the MLB lockout and the Blue Jays thus far? I mean, I'm still recovering from, hey, baseball is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm still getting there. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a lot. I was doing some catching up this morning because uh, I knew, obviously, we were going to be talking about this one to make sure that I had I had caught up on everything. I just hadn't really, like, sat down and looked at all the moves the Jays made. Um, the, the 
one, the vaccine thing is hilarious, <laughs> and Aaron judges. Uh, answer oh to, my are God. you vaccinated like come we'll on, paste bro. that in here the question was have you been vaccinated and he made it sound like is your sprained ankle gonna be okay for you to play tomorrow like refused to answer the question like well we'll see what happens and that might get taken care of and it was hilarious to hear him dodge that uh you know, I'm, I'm still focused on you know just getting through the first game of spring training so I think we'll we'll cross that bridge whenever um, you know <laughs> the time comes. But right now, so many things could change, so I'm not really too worried about that right now. Absolutely unreal. Yeah, you'd think someone asked him about contract negotiations yes. or something. Like just unbelievable. Um, but the more I re- I look at like, like obviously heading into this season, like even without the whole lockout situation. There was a lot to be excited about about this Blue Jays team and in the momentum that they built on from last year. But then I read an article today that basically said like the Blue Jays might have the best pitching rotation in the AL. Yeah. And I think there's a case to be made there, right? Like you mentioned Kikuchi, uh, Hojin Ryu, Alec Manoa. Hopefully he can build on um, the success he had mm-hmm. last season. Kevin Gosman, Jose Burrios. Um, I like the more I read it, just the more I got excited. And that that's also assuming that, you know, what happens with Nate Pearson this yep. year? Do we finally see him come up? Does he have like an Alec Manoa situation of last year where he steps in and, and finds success right away? You know, the, I think a lot of people aren't, are not maybe putting their hopes that high, but still he's, you know, probably the, the highest touted pitching yeah, that prospect. possibility is t- exists. It's still, oh there. yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's the pitching prospect that like I don't think the Jays have had this much excitement about a pitching prospect in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I, I'm so excited for this season <laughs> to start. And it it's funny like we're you know now that things kind of happen fast and furious as soon as like the, the owners and 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 players agreed on a deal and now it seems like spring training just boom got started like that and we're less than we're uh, two and a half weeks out of yeah. the Jays home opener. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Because normally, like, I feel like spring training drags Oh, on. my God. Because they normally report, pitchers and catchers report before Valentine's Day. And you don't oh, start till God. April 1st. It's and long. And then there's the split squad yeah. games. And, like, oh, it's just brutal. And it feels like we don't have to wait that long. And that's even more exciting. So, yeah, I'm I'm just really excited. What, what about you? What's caught your eye? It, honestly, the Chapman thing... As soon as it happened, you're like, oh, we're not getting Jose Ramirez. Like, which is so unfair to Matt Chapman and how good he is, right? Like, and you're seeing this fast out of the lockout. Um, nothing's changed, like, in in the sense that the owners that want to be shit are still going to be shit. Like, Cincinnati and Oakland are both fire sailing. Like, they, uh, Oakland also trades Matt Olson um, over to Atlanta to replace Freddie Friedman. Uh, or Freeman and Atlanta immediately gives him like a $162 million contract. And Oakland's is like, whatever, like Oakland's going to Oakland, right? That hasn't changed. Nothing's like they then turn around and trade their third baseman. Look, when you look at a guy like Matt Chapman, who is capable of hitting 30 home runs for the blue Jays and he might bat seventh, that is an incredible lineup that you're building right now. And I know we all got excited about the idea of Freddie Freeman possibly coming to Toronto it was going to be complicated, right? You probably then had to move Bla- uh, Vlad back to third. It ties up your DH spot a bit, and you need that, right? Like George Springer needs some DH days. Maybe when days when you want to get Vlad or Bo off their feet, 
maybe you could still DH them, but not if you've tied that up with, you know, it, it, it was going to be complicated. This one to me, I don't think Blue Jay fans understand, and, and fair enough, because how many of us stay up till 10 o'clock, and I know I'm asking the wrong person here, but to watch the Oakland Athletics play anybody, right? Like, it's it's a terrible uh, franchise. They're boring. It's a gross stadium. Like, it, even their stadium just to watch games sucks because it's so hard to create home runs and, and whatever. This guy, three out of the last four years, has won a gold glove at third base. And just think what that's going to do for Bo. Like, we have questioned whether Bichette's a really, like, long-term, is this a, a good defensive shortstop? You just took a ton of pressure off that guy with the things that Matt Chapman can do at third, and you're already seeing it from the pitching staff and how excited they are. Uh, Alec Manoa was quoted on Wednesday, you know, what do you think of the deal? He's like, man, I am so much more comfortable now. I'm just going to throw that sinker, and I don't care what happens. I'll, uh, Chapman will get it, right? Like, <laughs> I don't care. They'll touch it. He'll deal with the, you know, the fallout of it. So, this is a guy that makes your pitching staff better. Your def- it, it, even if he was a two ten hitter that didn't hit any home runs and just brought that glove, that would be okay in this lineup. But he does have the capability to hit thirty home runs. And yeah, you'll be frustrated sometimes with the strikeouts, but he's also going to do that less because of the guys around him, right? Like. Mm-hmm. That that lineup is going to give him protection. Like to me, it's a, it's a good move. It was disappointing for a split second because of the the Jose Ramirez fault. Like you're all right, we're not doing that. I guess we're not doing Freeman. But as soon as you start, turn around and take a look, you go, this makes so much more sense. It buys two years. Um, for your your guy, like for Jordan Groshans and some of your other pieces on the farm. You don't have to rush now, right? And and you didn't trade them away like you would have had to with Ramirez. This is a good deal. Um, you know, we went into the the Kikuchi signing on the uh, the Monday show. I, I just there's something about this team, man, and the the way they're building. And I said this to Rob on the Monday show. You don't throw around thirty six million dollars on a number five starter and then call it a day. That means you're in, right? Like if you're willing to spend that on your number five starter. You're going for it. And so I don't think they're done. I think they'll probably look for a switch hitter or a left-handed batter to be, you know, either a utility outfielder or like they're just, they're still really right-hand heavy, um, which whatever, if you hit that well, maybe it's not a big deal. But I think they'll look for a left-handed bat, but it now doesn't have to be quite as impactful. And I think, I think you and I have talked about this before. Maybe it was at some point last season, but as a Jays fan, I'm still just enamored by the fact that they're in on so many yes. of the discussions around big players, right? Like they were in on Kyle Schwarber for a bit, yep. right? Like there, there's, that's not something we're used to. And it's so nice to see because we'll all remember that, you know, way back when, when Alex Anthopoulos decided, okay, maybe we'll spend money now. <laughs> and this team just blew up. Yeah and had success all of a sudden we've all been waiting for that same mentality to happen since Shapiro got in and now I think we're there and I think it, like with Shapiro there was more of a slow build yes. and strategic building of this team from the ground up whereas Anthopolis was like sell the farm go for it now <laughs> well let me ask um, you about that because I I freely admit I was unfair to Shapiro when he came in and then we he brought in Atkins you're like oh look another Cleveland guy like I see what we're doing here they were honest, and they did everything they said they were going to do. We need to pull back. The, the the cupboard's been stripped pretty bare here. We need to refill the the you know the farm system, and when it's time to spend, we'll spend. And I was just, 
I loved Alex, right? And all this, I just wasn't giving them a fair chance. They could not have been any more honest. They rebuilt the farm system into one of the top five in baseball and then started to spend Rogers' money like it was nothing, right? Like just whatever, over the last, whatever, 36 months, you're looking at Ryu and like, like almost a billion dollars in contracts between, like I said, Ryu and uh, Springer and then Barrios when they locked him up after acquiring him, Gosman, Gakuchi, like they're not, they, they did exactly what they said they were going to do. We'll treat this like a big market team when it's time, but right now we have to rebuild and they did it. And so I, at this point, I've been totally wrong on those guys. Where are you at with this management team? I don't think I didn't have a hard or like strong opinion on them when they came in. Like my opinion was I miss Alex. Sure. That yes. that was my opinion. Uh, so I'm very much with you there. But I appreciate as, as a fan of any of my teams, I appreciate when they are open and honest about what they're doing and what the plan is long term. Yeah. And that's what they've given us. And, and I've, I'm very, very happy about that. And and like you said, like there's there's two different ways to build a championship team or there's sub, several different ways to build a championship team, but there's kind of, you know, the two philosophies of sell it everything now and, and build what you can to win in the next year or two. And there's, there's build from the ground up and make yourself successful for years to come and, and um, you know, sustainable. And, you know, obviously normally that philosophy kind of changes over time, but I think that there's something to be said for for building from the ground up and making yourself competitive year in and year out, especially when you are in the AL East. Yes, right. Like a, it's the toughest division in baseball. <laughs> like <laughs> year in, year out, it just sucks. And I, I think that they've they've gone about it the right way. Again, I, I don't know as much about building baseball teams as I do about building hockey teams, maybe. Because oh, the minor I'm, leagues is like four levels. And you're like, I don't know. Oh, like, so much. <laughs> there's so, and there's so many players. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's wild to keep track of. So like, all that is to say, I, I can't sit here and go, Shapiro has done this well or this well or this not so well. But they, like you said, they've been open and honest publicly about what they're doing, and now we're seeing it pay off. Yeah. And I, I've never seen, maybe aside from like the send sicko mentality of last season, <laughs> I haven't seen a fan base be so excited about a team that didn't make the playoffs yeah. in I don't know how long. But that was the Jays last year because they were just so much fun to watch. They were entertaining. They were having fun. Fans were having fun, and to carry that into this season, where oh my god, you can have fans in the stadium again. <laughs> like, come well, this is the on. thing this about the Yankees crazy. and the Red Sox. Shut up! Did you help us when we were for two years? <laughs> we were playing in minor league parks, overrun with your shitty fans, and we're playing out of Dunedin or Buffalo or whatever. You didn't do. You did not care at all. Now we're back in Toronto gonna have presumably a full stadium i would imagine like all the other sporting facilities are wide open You're like well we really should be able to bring our unvaccinated oh, fuck you like, no. get, uh, get, get vaccinated here. or don't this right? is the easy solution yeah and like i said that's the part that annoys me about new york city like no don't because for 80 games at home they're probably gonna do it they're, i don't i can't imagine they're all gonna go Kyrie on this thing but uh you know, we'll see what it looks like, but I'm I'm so with you. The fan base is so excited, and that team that they had last year that was so much fun and so exciting is not as good as the team they're putting out there this year. And this oh, may God. be a hundred win team. It would be it's incredible. So amazing. I know. 
and they get to have fans there. Yep. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I, I know we haven't talked about it, but uh, my first question that kind of popped into my head was, I wonder if we'll have like a Bose stand outside of Rogers. Uh, Rogers. <laughs> Rogers, why, why am I blanking on that? Rogers Center, because there's Rogers seven Center. of them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is it Rogers Stadium? Is Rogers it Ro- Place, is it Rogers, Rogers Arena? Arena? Is yes. Vancouver? Um, we have four companies in Canada, buying them. and they own all the arenas. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think we did talk about, I know I did with Andy Nita, I think you and I did as well. There was like a merger, or like a, we're going to cooperate, right? And that's what it was as of last fall. Steam Whistle was going to work with Bose. And then just, yeah, a week or two ago, came out like, actually, no, we're just going to buy them. And that's how that's going to go. So, yeah, that could be, uh, look, that, that steam whistle tap room right across from the dome. On a, if you can get in there before and after a game, it's not a bad stop before, uh, before you head in. I wonder, yeah, if we'll be seeing, like, you have to assume most of that deal was about distribution, right? Like, steam whistle has turned yeah. into a larger operation and it can maybe get Bose into a, a better place. But those ties between those two breweries just kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter i wasn't shocked to see this finally happen and bose has really infiltrated the toronto market a lot over the last couple years like you don't have to look far when you're in toronto to find a a bose like it's it's usually on tap at most places i've noticed especially like even as far back i remember being back being there in like 2015 Hmm. and and they're being pretty easy to find bose on tap so yeah i think distribution is a huge part of it and i just envision like down at the harbor front you know, you've got the steam whistle tap room. You've got the Amsterdam tap room, yep. which is also pretty sweet. Like, let's see more of that. Let's get a Bose location down there. Let's If left field grows enough, let's put a left field location. Like, imagine being able to go to a baseball-themed brewery before a baseball uh, game. Wouldn't that be, uh, like, get them in the stadium. There is a Toronto-based oh, yeah, brewery. A big, Baseball-themed. I, I was, sorry, I, I just, I was... I was being dramatic pause and it made it no, seem sorry. like <laughs> um, but a Toronto based baseball themed brewery and you can't work together. I know they did for a while and not now like they did try to open. I think I read two years ago or whatever the last season before the pandemic was we're going to have craft beer in the stadium and it was like one counter for the entire building. Um, go ahead. Tear me down. Tell me why this isn't happening. Well, I, I don't know if they've what the status is on like the one craft beer, but that's pretty standard in stadiums, and it's like next to impossible to find. Um, yeah. But I remember being at left field a couple of years ago and talking to one of the guys there, and like because they're not is it Labat? Yeah, it's Labat that uh, Rogers has to deal yes, with at the so. Sky Dome. Yeah. Uh, because they're not Labat, it is next to impossible for them to get in there, let alone even associate themselves with the Jays. Right. Right. Like they can't run contests for tickets and, <laughs> and all this stuff. Like they were so limited in what they can do. And I was like, that is so disappointing because you have such an opportunity here, right? Like you're a, like you said, a Toronto based baseball themed brewery. Um, Jays fans. I mean, you, if there's a Jays game on that tap room is packed. Yep. Yep. It's, it's just so perfect, but maybe they'll expand enough. You know, they're growing quite a bit. Maybe they'll expand enough to have a location down at the Harbor front. Maybe there will be that one counter in the sky dome that, uh, <laughs> offers left field. If you ask specifically for it, Yeah. If you know that the was always my experience word. at TD place. I remember in the early days of the red blacks, we, I didn't even know that they had that one craft beer deal. And somewhere, someone just said to me, oh, yeah, if you go to this stand and ask for Bose, you can get it. Say the secret password. It, it, that's what it felt like. <laughs> and I, I, I kid you not, I remember asking the person, hey, what beer do you have Like at this stand? Yeah. 
And they're like, oh, we got Stella, Bud, Bud Light, Bose. Uh, and <laughs> now they've improved a lot. They have Craft Corner. Obviously, it's mostly Goose Island, but yeah. it's still better than than Bud Light. Sure. And they'll usually have. I think this year it was Broadhead. They yeah, had I believe that with. sounds so right. They, yeah. yeah, they had their Amber in there, and it's at least more advertised and easy to find. But in those early days, it honestly felt like you were walking into a speakeasy. Well, and there are a couple of <laughs> speakeasy. I like that. Um... What's the Moe's Tavern? They turn all the gears. The best darn pet shop or something in town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> During Prohibition. Yes. Homer's tub beer. Yes, exactly. Open up, Curly. This is a raid. A raid? Curly? Um, all right, but uh, I don't know what you expect to find. In a uh, simple uh, neighborhood pet shop. Pet shop, eh? Well, I just have one question. What kind of pet shop is filled with rambunctious yahoos and hot jazz music at 1 a.m.? Um, the, the best damn pet shop in town. Yeah! All right, but you people remember... Baby turtles and alligators may seem like a cute idea for a pet, but they grow up. Let's go, boys. Wow! Those gears down there really hurt. Uh, I'll get you, Beer Baron. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yes, I will. Um, there is a, every summer, there's a write-up in The Athletic. It's just a column of craft beer friendly ballparks across oh, the United yeah. States and they do it every summer and every year Toronto's like 27th or something and you're like come on because there's a pile of great breweries in the area so uh, but I do look forward to that article every year like because it kind of reframes like yeah I haven't seen Fenway yet but I don't care I could go to Pittsburgh <laughs> if they have more of a craft Honestly, beer feel right like I remember reading that article not long before I had a, pl- a trip planned to Chicago to go to Wrigley and and guaranteed rate field, which is where the White Sox play. Yeah, great had, name, very I think catchy, they were, classic. Right, right. <laughs> um, right up there with Wrigley Field. Yeah. Uh, they were rated like number four. Yeah. And Wrigley was somewhere down by the, by the Rogers Center. Like yeah. it was not good. Uh, and I remember thinking like, should we go to guaranteed rate field? Right. <laughs> It's a we ball did, game a moment. with a team that I don't really care. Like Wrigley's one of those places you have to see. But yeah, in terms exactly. of I don't really care about either of these matchups, so I'll just go to the ballpark with the better beer. Yeah, that's not a stretch for me. Like that's no. I could make and that. And for call. what it's worth, Wrigley didn't have a terrible selection. Okay. Like obviously Goose Island was the big thing, but yeah. there were a couple breweries from like bigger breweries in Chicago, but like craft breweries that sure. were available there. You didn't have to look too hard, which was good. Uh, why don't we talk for a second, maybe in two parts here. March Madness for me, I've said this for a while, and I've been thinking more about it this year. I don't think there's a bigger gap between the size of a sporting event, like how many people are going to care, and how little I care than (laughs) March Madness. I think this is the biggest, like... There are some years I don't watch that much of the NFL, but I still I get geared up for the Super Bowl and the, most of the NFL playoffs. I'm still like, like get, NFL f- playoff football is very good. Like I'm into the and especially this year it was incredible. Um, and so I kind of get there. 
right? Even there's there's other events where I'm not that into this sport, but I know like I've I'm not at all into tennis. But if there's a Canadian that's making a final, like we have seen a couple times at the the U.S. Open or whatever it might be over the last couple of years, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch it. I can't get there for March Madness at all. It just doesn't. Spe- I'm not a basketball guy. On top of that, I'm not an NCAA guy. Before we get into you know what I want to ask you about, can you think of something for you where the biggest gap might be? I know everyone is watching, and you can't say WrestleMania because I know you're actually going <laughs> to watch that. Where is the biggest gap between everyone is paying attention to this and maybe I will because I probably have to talk about it on the radio this week or I probably won't because I just don't care at all. What is, what's the event for you where you're just like, I don't get what you're all looking at right now? Ooh, you're not going to like this. Um, <laughs> it's a toss-up between any golf major Okay, yeah. and UFC. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Sorry. Yeah, no, I get that. I, honestly, it's not for everybody. It's two everybody. things with UFC. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't follow this sport. So yep. I don't know who's in it. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't love watching people just punch each other. It's just not for me. <laughs> oh, but they kick too. <laughs> oh, yes, and kick. And then spoon. Oh. And it's also at like midnight. And <laughs> while apparently I will stay up late watching women's basketball because yeah. I've made poor choices in who I cheer for, <laughs> I just can't even like wrap my head around staying up that late for a sport that the only I thing I would say watch. is I think there's a lot of people with you on the UFC. Like to me, March Madness, every sports fan watches some of March Madness. Yeah. UFC is still a bit of a niche, right? Like to me, the gap is. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to kick around. What's that? Golf is a great one, right? Like where I, yeah, I'm like sort of with the you there. I'm not. I don't care. I don't care. No. Like I, I understand it's huge. I understand everyone but me is watching right now. I'll watch anything else. Like this is not doing it for me. I don't think I'm telling anybody anything they don't already know. But if you haven't watched Robin Williams' skit on golf, you have to. <laughs> but the one part that kills me is when he talks about the commentary. And how it's, it, I think his exact words were just this side of curling for really getting <laughs> yes. me going. And then he imitates it. And, and it's like, uh, and we're on the fourth hole now. Could people be quieter? I'd like to hear the grass grow. And it, like everything about it, I associate golf with like, I used to have to watch it with my dad on like a Sunday afternoon yeah. and I would struggle to stay awake. It was like, I would nap during it. So I associate golf with nap time and that's just not what you should see. No, I'm so with, with you there because I used to be. On Sunday afternoon on Global, they always ran episodes of The Simpsons for like four hours, unless it was a major golf tournament, in which case it was only like two hours, and then they'd go to golf. So I would fall asleep after a rough Saturday night watching The Simpsons and wake up watching golf, and it would be very easy to fall right back asleep and and get caught (laughs) up on that. That's where I get my golf knowledge from is, oh, The Simpsons are over. Like, that's how I ended up tuned into golf. Uh, This is a rough transition because I have just said how much I don't care. I understand everyone but me cares, so we'll serve the audience a little bit here. Why don't we talk a bit about the women's side of the draw? The draw, make it sound like they're going to play the men in the next round. The women's NCAA March Madness tournament coming up. This got a ton of attention. Was it last year or the year before? I think it was just last year. It was last year. Yeah, when they showed the difference in gym facilities they were getting um, and made everybody go, 
come on. Like, we all knew women's sports was getting shafted, but to this degree, it was pretty pathetic. Um, I'm sure as a, as a basketball fan and, and certainly a women's basketball fan, you are geared up for this thing and, you know, kicks off pretty soon. What are we looking at? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm with you on the men's side. I don't actually know anything of what's going on, <laughs> on the men's side, but obviously I'm very dialed into there, the I've done side. lots of brackets where I'm just like, Oh, Villanova. I've heard of them. I'll put money on yes, them. Right? I know that name. <laughs> yeah. UConn. Okay. Win. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, the first time I ever did a bracket, I couldn't find Yukon because I expected it would be spelled like Yukon Territory, but it's not. It's, that's <laughs> it's literally Yukon. Yes, it's the University of Connecticut. I'm like, oh, I get it, but I'd only ever heard it spoken of on like sports yeah. radio or whatever. And since I don't watch, I wouldn't see it on the the scoreboard or the bracket or whatever. Right? Yeah, I can remember there was a couple of years. Where I'm like Yukon. Like I just assumed there was a university in the U.S. called Yukon, and no, Matt, it's the University of Connecticut. <laughs> you <awesome>. unbelievable <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, there's, there's been a lot of changes to the women's tournament kind of sparked from Sedona Prince's, uh, should Sedona price, sorry, uh, the video that she shared last year of showing the, the difference in gym facility and meals and all that. Um, it actually launched an entire investigation and report that, that kind of really indicted the, the NCAA of like, you do not treat your women's sports fairly. And they were held accountable, and they—that's why we can now say women's March Madness. We couldn't say that before because it was branded only towards the men. It was the women's NCAA tournament or something. Yeah, like, it sucked. I hated that. Now I can finally say women's March Madness. I'm yeah. very excited about that. Um, and th- th- there's there's still a long way to go. And there was a whole report by Sports Illustrated actually this morning about the ways in which the NCAA still does not treat uh, their their women's basketball and their women's sports fairly. Uh, I'll admit I have not read that yet because it's part of my show prep for tomorrow. Right. But um, all that aside, we're all very excited for the women's tournament this year. I even did a bracket oh. for the first time in my life. And I'll I'll say this. So let me just grab my bracket here so I know what I'm looking at. Um, when does this start? Because so I know so it technically starts tonight, oh, uh, but, okay. but it's the um, – what do they call it? The first four. So there's four teams that are, there's a tiebreaker like tie games, right. essentially. Okay. So they need, there's four games tonight uh, that need to play through to determine the remaining seating of certain 16, 16th place right. for, for certain teams. So um, technically it starts tonight, but the real, like the actual bracket okay. starts on as if you're listening to this tonight, okay. uh, Thursday night. Okay. Um, so you know so what? Technic- you're going to send me this. And instead of me doing a men's bra- bracket that I know nothing about, I'm going to do the women's bracket, which I'll know oh, nothing yay. about, and I will take part in that, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> do you want me to send you my bracket? Well, or I want just you... a bracket? The same one. That, yeah, like, just send me a place I can fill this out, and... and okay. Yeah, just, just hook me I up. I took way too much time and actually wrote it all out in pencil. Oh, wow. On, um, yeah, it was not a good idea, because uh, it's very <laughs> messy. Uh, so, and I had, to, I had to move the Elite Eight to a different page because well, I ran out of room. You should send us that for the TCA Instagram. That's Honestly, <laughs> I really should not have done this. Um, this clearly, can you tell that I've never done this before? Um, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my Elite Eight and spoiler spoiler alert, I will get more into it on She's Got Game this uh, week so yes. you can tune into TSN 1200 for that. Nice. Um, 
but in terms of like things I want people to look out for, so so the one thing you should know is South Carolina had like a historically good season. I believe they finished the regular season twenty five and one. They only lost one game. They did not win the SEC tournament. They were upset by Kentucky, mm. um, who placed sixth. And that's why I have Kentucky as a bit of my sleeper pick. Sure. Um, I have them beating UConn in, I believe, the Sweet 16. Um, I, although I am a UConn fan, because that is where Sue Bird played. <laughs> I will I will say I think Kentucky That's like, not a Canadian territory, riding, folks. That's, I know. <laughs> they're riding the high of the upset over South Carolina because that was just so big. Um I do have South Carolina making it to the Elite Eight. I that will lead to, in my prediction, a South Carolina versus Iowa matchup. And this is big because the two players who are in the front runner for player of the year in NCAA women's basketball are Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina and Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Hmm. Many people may remember Caitlin Clark. We talked a lot about her last year in the tournament. She was a freshman along with Paige Beckers, and the two of them were just electric. Right. And now, obviously, she is a sophomore, and she has just, like, game after game made history. Like, it, like the month of January, she had three different games where she made history in some way or another. She hit, uh, I believe it was 1,000 points. She was the fastest player in women's D1 history to hit it. Um, she had back-to-back triple doubles where she had 30 more, 30 or more points and that she was the first, I believe the first player in NCAA to do that. I think beyond just the women's side, game after game, she was making history. Um, so I actually have Iowa, uh, beating South Carolina. Oh, wow. So I, I, that may be a mistake on my part. This may be where it all falls apart. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, Kentucky is my other sleeper pick. Uh, but for for my elite eight, it's uh, South Carolina, Iowa, Louisville, Baylor, Stanford, Texas, and NC State and Kentucky. Um, and you will have to tune in to She's Got Game to find out who I pick as the winner of everything, but will probably be wrong, um, <laughs> which is the joy of a bracket. I put all this effort into it, and it could be completely ruined in day one. That's very comforting. I've seen that so many times where, like, all my buddies, especially around college and whatever, like, they would all do a bracket, and, like, night one, they're throwing them in the garbage. You're just like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, no wonder I haven't gotten that into this, because I have a tough time investing at the best of times. I don't need to know I could put that much time into it and and whatever, but I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do uh, the bracket for the Women's March Madness because I know as much about that one as I do about the men, so what the hell's the difference, right? Might as there well uh, throw a little attention on it. What else is coming up on She's Got Game this week? And just before you answer, I, I want to tell the good listener, you had the chance to interview the queen. Charlotte Flair was on uh, on She's Got Game not too long ago. I will say, you conducted a wonderful interview she needed to get out of character just a little bit. There was something weird going on. <laughs> she And this happens sometimes when you have wrestlers on. They're sort of half in character, half not. What can I answer? What can I not? I thought you asked uh, some great questions, trying to pretend you're not actually a wrestling fan. But uh, she was a little bit distant. But what do we got coming up on She's Got Game, which we should say, not just on TSN 1200, anywhere uh, on your podcast apps or across the TSN radio network. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, nationwide, as they say, all the way out to Edmonton. Um, this week, and I'm hesitant to say it because it, we haven't recorded it yet, but I believe we will have Sarah Nurse on the show. Wow, that's a get. Yeah. Pretty excited about I that. I bet, yeah. Um, we've been trying to hook it up for a couple of weeks, but obviously she's been very busy, understandably yes. so. And uh, we had to move it around a bit. 
But uh, but I think that's booked for this week. And very excitedly, we are going to have Robin Flynn on, who is normally my co-host. Yeah. She is on uh, mat leave right now, but she she's had been her vacationing, baby. just slacking off, not really yeah, doing yeah, that. You know, labor and <laughs> Probably stuff. Probably hasn't slept um, in weeks. <laughs> she had her baby. So we're going to get nice. a, a Peyton update okay. and uh, get to talk to her a little bit about... Uh, motherhood and and you know childbirth and yes. stuff which is really fun um and for those of you who don't know uh, my my te- the the co-host filling in for robin her name is vanessa sanchez she is awesome and uh, she's been helping out a lot she'll be with us for the next year which is super exciting and uh vanessa and i are very good friends so you can listen to us basically just uh rant about sports for an hour Vanessa's um, a fun and, follow yeah, on Twitter as well. So if people, yeah, to, we we have a running joke of watch sports with Michaela and Vanessa, where we screenshot yes. like stupid texts that we send each other of us just <laughs> mentally spiraling, and that's basically what you can look forward to in this show is a verbalization of those texts. <laughs> um, it's been great, and it, it's been slightly different without Robin, but Vanessa's done a wonderful job as well. So that is, she's got game on the TSN radio network every weekend. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, the the thing that has made. The most news, the thing that most people are talking about, the whole world is melting down over. What has gone on on Twitter on the last week? Where do you stand on the great debate? Most recent tweets first or the algorithm that tells you, you know, this is the stuff that everyone's talking about right now. I know you've seen it. Where do you stand, Trides? Oh my god, I think I'm out of touch. I have I haven't what? seen the debate, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I it's know back my... this week they tried another update and tried to push everyone back to the algorithm and everyone was like, No, I just wanna see it in order. Show me what people tweeted. Yeah, I I noticed it like I was scrolling Twitter and I was like, wait, did I reach the end of Twitter? Why am I seeing tweets that <laughs> oh I God. saw what a scary before? Thought. And that was I've read scary. every tweet. <laughs> I've, have I finished Twitter? Um, it would actually probably be I, best for all of us. if. Yeah, it's like that's the thing. It, it kind it. of the book. discouraged me from doom scrolling, which I, <laughs> I kind of like. Yeah. At the same time, it gave me this horrible feeling like I had finished the internet and that's right. not a good <laughs> thing you should never it's like you don't ever want to see where the subway turns around right <laughs> you also don't want to see the end of the internet um so i don't know where i stand on the debate i did not know it was a debate which makes me feel old it, it, um, it probably just means you're spending less time than you used to and that may be is, is a good it, that may be the answer right there right like yeah. maybe tw- this pushed me off twitter where do you stand well honestly for me it's i want i'm always the the timeline version right the most recent stuff I, I, I don't need your algorithm to say that this is what lots of people are clicking like on or whatever. No, just I want to scroll it in order. And that's always been an option. Like every time they run one of these updates, you just click back and go show me re- most recent first. And so I never really cared. Like everybody freaks out every couple of months when they run one of these updates. I'm sure you've seen at least that much. This time when they did it, every time you would close the app and come back, they had pushed you back to the algorithm version and that was what made me crazy because normally you just had to do it the once after the update. You're like, no, this is what I want to see. You click back to most recent. It saves it and off you go. This was every time you would open the app back up, they would push you back to the version they wanted you on and you had to go in and do it again. And again, it's still like it should be such a, it should be, should be such a minor inconvenience that you click on one extra button. You're like, no, I won't do it. I will not click the extra button. Put me back where I want to be. And so this has been a thing all week is people complaining about this update and Twitter came out uh, again on Wednesday and said, all right, we hear you. We're, we'll go back to the drawing board and try and figure out a different version. Like, stop. 
don't go figure out a different version. Just let me see. It should just be a list of tweets at the time people tweeted them. This isn't a complicated app you're running. Yeah, I don't know. like, guys, you invented this. How did you screw it up so bad? They want us to go <laughs> wherever the advertisers are, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, but that is true. We are we are the product. We are Never the product. It. We'll wind this one down here, Shrides. Thanks for, for doing this. Uh, where can the good people follow you on social media? They can find me on social media at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. You can follow my craft beer adventures on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital, and you can hear me on TSN Radio on uh, She's Got Game. If you're in Ottawa, it's Fridays at 6 p.m. or just go to your local TSN radio website. Beware the shrides of March as we continue to uh, to march along. Not we are on Twitter. <laughs> it's not bad. You were, gonna just go, you were just gonna sneak that one right by me, weren't you? I wanted to hit it off the top, but we had too much Scott Hall things to talk about. Right? We had yeah, to talk professional wrestling. I wanted to hit it there, but... Uh, yeah, it was too perfect. I had to land here. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram. Don't follow us. It's more stuff like that. You're not going to like it. But if if you're a sucker for punishment, it's at Talk and Audio. Subscribe wherever you happen to be hearing us right now. Uh, don't forget, next week, John Wing, stand-up comedian and big leaf guy. Big leaf guy. We like that. Uh, the following week, that'll be uh, March 31st, Michael Barclay uh, be here. Canadian music writer uh, will talk about his new book, Hearts on Fire. Six years that changed Canadian music, uh, 2000 to 2005. And the following week, Creech and Bunda. That'll be likely on April 7th as we get you ready for UFC 273. As well as Rob is here every Monday morning, so stick around for those as well. Tons of stuff to come. We will catch you all next time on Tall Can Audio. Ayo. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Bad guys do.